you feel stuck, tired of wrestling with shame, insecurity, and hiding your flaws? Friend, I've been there, and it's time to come out of hiding. God wants to meet you in the middle of your big, hot mess. I'm Kimberly Stokes, and I'm on mission to help real women just like you get unstuck and meet Jesus in all the ordinary moments. I want to call you out of hiding so you can start living in increased intimacy with God. Ephesians 3.20 says God can do far more than you could ever imagine. This is the Imagine More podcast, and it's time for today's show. Hello, friend. Greetings from Texas. I am super excited to spend some time with you today. And this episode is entitled Grow Your Happy. And it contains some powerful secrets that can truly change your life forever. And I'm not joking. This episode is packed with truth and life-changing revelation. You are going to be so glad that you listened. You're probably going to want to send me flowers or buy me a coffee because today's show is absolute gold. So let's get to it. Grow your happy. Today we're going to talk about that you can grow to become a more joyful person. And it's not about emotion, the emotion of happy, but I'm talking about an internal approach to life. It's a heart posture that relies on God as its source for joy, as its source for happiness or gladness. And it really is a supernatural attitude. So at the outset, I want to address the why behind the what. I believe it's a biblical mandate to choose joy, to choose gladness, or to have a happy heart attitude. It's all about stewarding our internal approach to life, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Did you know that there are 427 verses in the Bible about gladness? 427! That is a lot. There are only 360 verses about fear. And think about how often we deal with fear in our lives and how practical the Bible is. It addresses it 360 times, but there are 427 verses about gladness. I want to share a couple of those with you just to kind of set the stage for what we're talking about today. Psalm 9, verse 1 and 2. I will be glad and rejoice in you. Talking about God. I will sing praise to your name, O Most Most High. Psalm 31, verse 7. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. So the psalmist was super intentional with his heart attitude. He chose to be glad in God. He chose to rejoice in God. He chose to sing praise to God, even in the middle of his suffering. So no one is going to do this for us, not even God. You and I have to be the one that says, I will be glad and rejoice in God. This means taking personal responsibility that I choose God, that you choose God in the good times, in the sad times, in the rough times, in times of disappointment, I will be glad and rejoice in my God. And the secret to a happy life, it really is about the attitude of your heart, of your spirit. It's learning to steward this internal approach and mindset to life when life is good, when it's real good, and then also when life sucks and you're just in a shitstorm. Seriously, happy and gladness is about so much more than emotions. 
It's an intentional attitude. It's like our internal mindset and approach towards life, towards ourselves, towards others, and towards God. It's a biblical mandate to be glad and rejoice in the Lord. Honestly, if you're a Christian, I think that happy, gladness, and joy, I don't think they're optional. I think it's a direct command in Scripture. And to clarify, I just want to clarify that a happy life isn't a problem-free life. Neither is a happy life running from your problems or ignoring them. And the good news is, a happy life isn't dependent on anything or anyone other than you and God. I'm serious when I say that. So if you have a really crappy husband, you can still have a happy life. If your finances suck, you can still have a happy life and grow in your happiness. If you struggle with depression, you can still grow in your happy. If you have cancer, some sort of serious health issue, you too can still grow in your happy and have a happy life if you want it. Friend, I'm going to be totally honest with you right now. And if you're not happy, the buck starts and stops with you. So that statement, it's kind of like an ouch, but it's also like a wow. That's awesome at the same time, right? God invites us into happy. He invites us into joy. He invites us into gladness. He invites us to steward the internal atmosphere of our hearts. But he never forces us to choose it. So I'm in the helping field. I was trained as a therapist and have my master's degree in counseling. I was a licensed professional counselor. And right now I work as a life coach with a focus on wholeness and freedom. God is just... He's wired me to help people connect, to connect to their own hearts, to connect to God so they can navigate through trauma from their past and into increased healing and freedom and wholeness. So as a side note, a shameless plug, if you're interested in working with me, go to my website. It's at connectcoach.co. You can schedule a session and check it out. I offer in-person and then also virtual sessions if you're not local or even if you're in a different part of the world, you're in a different time zone. I'm in the central time zone, so you can check it out and schedule accordingly. But over the years, I've worked with countless people and I've noticed that living a joyful, happy life is not the result of a cushy, easy, problem-free life. In fact, I think that joyful, happy people usually have experienced deep trauma in their lives. They've just navigated through it. And joyful people have just as many problems as unhappy people. But a joyful person has learned the secret to contentment. And that secret isn't dependent on circumstances. It's not dependent on finances. It's not dependent on your health, your job, your relationship with your husband or your kids. It's not dependent on finding Mr. Right if you're not yet married. It has nothing to do with your socioeconomic status, your race, your bank account, your weight, your looks. I fully believe that a happy heart can be the brand or the calling card of every believer in Christ. And a happy heart truly is the best bait for evangelism. Think about it. Grumpy Christians give Christianity such a bad name and push people away from any interest in God. I remember a client many years ago when I was working at an inpatient treatment center. And he was a well-known pastor, but he was totally miserable. He hadn't yet learned the secret of happy or contentment. And looking back on his life, I remember when he said, Wow, I've been against everything 
and for nothing. And how sad is that? Like, that was the statement as he looked back over his life. And I distinctly remember when he had that epiphany. But honestly, that sad epiphany gave him the realization and the courage to turn his life around. So friend, I realize as we talk about growing your happy, not everyone is a type 7 on the Enneagram. And that's good because we need all personality types. But if you want to be a blessing to your roommate, to your coworkers, to your spouse or your children, listen up. You can grow in your joyful intentionality and in your approach to life. You can develop a happy heart and a more joyful approach to life. I recently read a book, it's so good, and it was entitled Happiness is a Serious Problem by Dennis Prager. And in this book, his premise is we can all become more happy. We can become happier people. Basically, we can grow our happy, right, with proper training and practice. And he gave this example in the book that was, he said, any person can play the piano with the proper training and practice, right? And he, he plays the piano. He's a pianist. And he said, if I practice the piano more, you know, he would become a more accomplished pianist. I, too, play piano. I was trained, you know, as a child. I took piano lessons. If you've never taken a piano lesson in your life, I want to tell you, you could play the piano. If you took some lessons, you have a piano that you can practice with proper instruction and training, and then with practice, you can learn to play the piano. And a year from now, you would play the piano better than you do today. Two years from now, if you kept at it, you'd really play the piano better. For me, as I've played the piano since I was six years old, if I took lessons again and I just started practicing more, practicing more of my scales, practicing some um, classical pieces instead of just playing worship, I would become a more skilled and accomplished pianist, right? The same is true with happy. With what, wherever you are in your life, with the proper tools or instruction, which I believe is God's manual, the Bible, and with practice, we can all grow our happy. And three months from now, become a happier, more contented person, um, a more joyful person than we are today. You don't have to be all sunshine and unicorns like my friend Beth Dreyer, who I consider the joy guru. But we can, each of us, continually grow in our happiness and practice a more joyful lifestyle. So I want to give you a New Testament biblical foundation for what we're discussing today. Did you know that the New Testament, the Greek word for blessed, is translated to English as happy? But it is so, 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 so much more than happy. And actually, the word happy, as we understand it in English, it's not even found in the New Testament because that word is more associated with like chance, luck, or emotion. But the Greek word blessed, it really encompasses the lifestyle that I'm talking about today in this episode as we talk about grow your happy. It's really more this Greek word for blessed. The definition of the Greek word blessed means the state of one who has become a partaker of God. Oh, I love that. To experience the fullness of God. This word blessed, or translated happy in English, it's the same word Jesus used in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We partake 
of his kingdom. Blessed, it's the one who's become a partaker of God, right? Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. We partake, we taste of his comfort. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We partake of God's inheritance. Blessed or happy are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's because we are partaking of God's presence. We are filled with his spirit. We're partaking of more of him. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We partake of his mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We partake of the family of God, of his fatherhood. We get to experience and partake of sonship. We get to experience what it's like to have a good father and continually receive of his fullness. Another New Testament verse that really, I think, kind of fully encapsulates what I'm talking about today is from 1 Peter 4. It starts in verse 12 and it says, Dear friends, Don't be surprised at the painful trial you were suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. You are blessed. That's that Greek word. You are blessed. You have become a partaker of God. You get to experience the fullness of God because the spirit and glory of God rests on you. So this is what I'm talking about as we talk about grow your happy. It's learning to continually partake of God, to experience the fullness of God. We are the children of God. And we are blessed. We are happy. We experience gladness because his spirit and his glory rest on us. I mean, if you just think about that, that's like a, oh my freaking gosh, that's amazing. The reality of this really is the source of our happiness. The mainspring of the internal approach to joyful living is partaking of God, tasting and seeing I want to ask you a question. Why do we often live at such a diminished level when the spirit of the living God, the glory, the doxa of God rests on us and in us? We can have continual connection with God where we receive from him. We can constantly receive from him. We can experience continual upgrades in our emotions, our thoughts, our perceptions, and our relationships. Think about it. We can grow in our capacity to partake of God. We can grow in our capacity to taste and see, to experience and encounter. We can grow in our manifestation of joyful living. And the Holy Spirit is the endless source of our happy, of our blessing, of us being a partaker of God, of experiencing his fullness and the abundance that we have through Christ. So my definition of happy, what we're talking about today, it's not an emotion. It's like a mindset towards life. It's this internal approach in our heart and in our spirit. It's a choice of personal responsibility to be glad and rejoice in God as we partake of Jesus, as we relationally and experientially receive from him, we get to encounter his fullness and receive it minute by minute in all the ups and downs of life. 
It's a heart posture. What we're talking about today, it's a heart posture that seeks God as its source and manifests in a supernatural attitude and expectation. So when I say grow your happy, it's not about not experiencing negative emotions. In fact, it's not about emotion at all, except it's about navigating through emotions so emotions don't rule over us. The source of our happy is God. Again, not the emotion happy, but that mindset, the heart posture, an attitude of gladness, of thanksgiving, an intentional choice to rejoice in the nature of his God, to eat, to partake of his goodness, his glory, his love, to feast on his divine nature. So this heart posture manifests in us as a supernatural heart attitude and mindset of gladness. It's of living the blessed life, being a partaker of God. It's relational. So what I'm saying is no matter what we're going through in life, whether it's marital problems or health issues or health issues of a child or a parent, financial struggle, issues on the job, I can partake of God. I can connect with him and experience his fullness. And this, my friend, is the center of a happy life. This is how we grow our happy and grow in living a vibrant relational connection with the living God. It's not about not having problems. And I want to say that again. Grow Your Happy is not about not having problems. In fact, did you know two of the most powerful words we can say to ourselves in the middle of problems, in the middle of issues, in disappointments? Drum roll, please. The two most powerful words we can say, it may surprise you, the two most powerful words are so what? Learning to say, so what? When I encounter trouble is super empowering. So what? Those two little words. It reminds me I'm a powerful person, that my attitude isn't dependent on my circumstance. It's not dependent on how my husband just responded to me. It's not dependent on my financial situation, on my health, on my relationships, on my job, on my education level, or even my emotions. Okay, I want to give a really practical example of this. Because overall, I'm like a pretty happy person. I don't get mad easily. But two days ago, it was at night. I was about to sit down and snuggle with Shannon. We were just going to like cozy up on the couch and I was going to drink a glass of wine and then we were going to have sex and we were just, you know, we just kind of had this lovely time plan just to snuggle and be close. And he did something and looking back, it sounds so idiotic and I'm kind of embarrassed to share it with you, but I want to be real because I think this can help you with your real life. It sounds stupid. I know it sounds stupid right now. I don't know why it made me so mad, but it did. So all of a sudden, I'd been doing things around the house, and I think I was cleaning up, and you know, just zooming here, zooming there, trying to get things straightened up and cleaned up, and I was so hot. And I'm like, did you turn up the AC, the thermostat, you know? And he was like, yeah, I did. And so it's like this kind of constant back and forth that we have that is, to me, it's super annoying. And I don't know why it pissed me off so badly, but friend, I'm telling you, on the inside, you would have thought that he had like done something really wrong to me because on the inside, I felt so 
angry with him. And like talking about it now, it sounds absolutely stupid. But at the moment, I mean, it was real, right? The struggle was real. It went all over me. I don't know if I was having a hormonal moment or what the deal was. But I mean, like at the moment, I was so mad. I didn't even want to sit on the couch. I didn't want to snuggle with him. I certainly didn't want to have sex with him. I was just like, so pissed. And so I just took a minute. I came into my office and I was just like, okay, Lord, (laughs) I just kind of had to come to Jesus moment, but I was still mad. And so it, it just took some time. And so it was like inviting the Lord in. I gave him my anger and then I just, I kind of, I didn't instantly get over it. I was trying to just trade up and receive from the Lord, but I had to have a few minutes, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes where I just did some other things. I went into a different room. I wasn't storming about when my anger, but I was just like letting it settle down. I was working out of that emotion. And as I released my frustration and I received from God, I partook of his divine nature to get over myself. And it was like a, so what? And I had, I I really said that to myself. So what if Shannon is so frugal? It's one of the things I love about him, but one of the things I hate about him, that he's constantly raising the temperature in the house and I get so hot. It gets so frustrating, but it was like, so what? And I had to take personal responsibility for my happiness in that I wasn't going to let that little thing ruin our evening. I wasn't going to let that steal my intimacy and just being able to sit down and love my husband and snuggle with him. So it was like I took responsibility to live out the kingdom of God. I partook of God, right? And that's at the core, the heart of what we're talking about. And sometimes it's walked out in the really practical areas of life. Like that scenario, you're probably like, why was she so mad? That's stupid. Well, it was real in the moment. So honestly, it's about what am I feeding on? I can feed on the Lord by connecting to him. Imagine an IV that's hooked up to your heart that's attached to a heavenly source. So it's like this IV is hooked up to the heart of God, all his fullness, all of his attributes, his love, his kindness, his mercy, his tenderness, his forgiveness, his grace, his patience, his gentleness, his thoughts of truth, his, his kindness, and it's connected to your heart. So it's like receiving nourishment, continual nourishment from this heavenly IV, from God's heart to mine. And as I, as I tap into and partake of relationally the goodness of God, as I surrender to him, he's filling me with his nourishment. He nourishes my heart. He fills me with his truth, his love, his perspective, his joy, his supernatural peace, his goodness. And he can pervade with his goodness, supersede my spirit, my emotions, my attitude in my physical body, they're all nourished as I'm connected to him, like through this heavenly IV for the sake of an analogy, as I partake of him. So I can either partake and feed on God or I can feed on my own thoughts. I can feed on my flesh. I can feed on my emotions. Oof, if I'd fed on my emotions a couple of nights ago, 
I guarantee you, we wouldn't have snuggled, we wouldn't have had sex, and we wouldn't have had a lovely evening that built intimacy. We can feed on social media. We can feed on and nourish ourselves on what our friends think. We can feed on what Hollywood promotes. And all these things nourish our flesh. And actually, they lead to the malnourishment of our spirit, our emotions, our perspective, our attitude, and even our physical body. So today, I just want to provoke you to a higher place of living. A new reality of continual connection with God via Holy Spirit. It's a place of surrender. It's of continually receiving from God. I just, I know I've talked about this a lot, but I want to give it new language that will hit your heart and provoke you to intentionally live from your relational connection with God via Holy Spirit who lives in you. So many times we get messed up because we grew up thinking we had to do something for God. I just want you to practice being a child of God. Practice receiving from Him minute by minute by minute by minute. Practice this lifestyle. Practice growing your happy. Practice the blessed lifestyle of being a partaker of God via His glory and Spirit who live in you. I want to look at some of the thieves that rob us of happy because this is practical. This is where life has really lived, okay? Fear and worry are the first thief that I think of that rob us of our happy, that rob us of our gladness, that rob us of joy. For me in my life, what this looks like when I give in to fear, it manifests as control. I start getting bossy and trying to control others, or it manifests as worry. The second thief I want to touch on is perfection. Oh my gosh. If you are a perfectionist, just beware of this because perfectionism steals our happy because nothing is ever good enough. Nothing and no one is ever perfect enough. And excellence and perfectionism are not the same thing, my friend. I used to be ruled by perfectionism. Now, I, I want to live in excellence, but even excellence doesn't rule over me. Perfectionism takes our focus off of what is important in an effort to reach an unattainable ideal. And if you struggle with this, You probably think it's just excellence, but if it's a real struggle, you probably are struggling with an element of perfectionism in your life. I think perfectionism is a self-imposed thief to joy. Some of these thieves that we're talking about today that rob us of our joy, that rob us of our gladness, they they can be like from the outside the enemy can use. But perfectionism, this is a self-imposed thief that robs us of our joy. Our emotions are another one that can be a thief. Um, Emotions are good. They are given by God. But if we're not aware of it, our emotions can rob us of our happy. When we have an inability to navigate through negative emotions, we can allow our anger, we can allow self-pity, depression, whatever any sort of emotion, we can allow it and give it the power to rule over us. And then it's like we get stuck in this emotional sewer 
Okay, so two nights ago, I could have, when I was so mad at Shannon, I could have fallen into this emotional sewer and gotten stuck there. I fell into the sewer. I mean, I was in it. I was so angry. But I got out of it and had a lovely evening. I didn't let that ruin my evening. So just beware to not allow emotions to rule over you. Learn, just as you can grow in your joyful approach to life and intentional living of partaking of God continually, we can grow in the way we navigate through our emotions. If you don't know how to do this, get help! Because it's it's such a key to a happy life, a joyful life, and a blessed life. Selfishness is another thief that robs us of our happy And honestly, this is probably the thief that I encounter the most in my life. Selfishness is when my focus on me is greater than my focus on God or others. And it's like this unintentional worship of I, me, my. We think it's going to make us happy because we're looking out for our own interests. But really, it's a liar because kingdom life is out of order. If I put myself on the throne instead of God. Another thief that robs us of our happy is pride. Now, pride has so many faces, right? But one that I want to touch on today is that pride can manifest in looking like an unwillingness to disclose or share our hurt, our pain, and our brokenness with others. It's like an unwillingness to allow God or a few other people in on our real lives. Pride is concerned with how things look on the outside. Um, Deep down, pride is like, well, what will they think of me if I know that I'm struggling with X, Y, or Z? I was sharing with a friend yesterday, and I invited her. I was like, hey, when you're struggling with that, just shoot me a text and say pray. Because she's a dear friend to me, and I want to pray for her when she's struggling with this issue. And she's like, ooh, I have a hard time with that. And sometimes when we have a hard time with that, honestly, it's pride. I read something um, a few days ago that Max Locato wrote that I want to share with you in regards to pride. It says, pride and shame. You'd never know that they're sisters because they appear so different. He said, pride puffs her chest out. Shame hangs her head. Pride boasts. Shame hides. Pride seeks to be seen. Shame seeks to be avoided. But don't be fooled. The emotion have this, The emotions have the same parentage and the emotions have the same impact. They keep you from the Father. And I think that's like, boom, that's exactly right. Pride says you're too good for him. Shame says you're too bad for him. Pride drives you away. Shame keeps you away. He said if pride is what goes before a fall, then shame is what keeps you up from getting keeps you from getting up after one. So pride and shame are kind of two phases of the same coin. And I believe that pride looks like independence. Pride looks like an unwillingness to invite God or others into our internal reality and our struggle. And I'm going to tell you, if you struggle with this and it's hard for you to let others in when you are really going through a difficult time, you're going to end up very lonely. And For me, one of the breakthroughs that I found in my own personal life was when I was struggling, when I began to be really honest with others about it. For many years, I'd been honest with God about it. And then I came to the place where I'm like, man, I'm going to share this with other people and invite my close friends in when I'm struggling. 
And that's kingdom life because we partake of God and then we also invite others in. So I think pride robs us of the level of happy, of the level of this internal just heart posture before God and living fully connected because God wants us to live in family and connection with others. So beware that pride seeks to rob us of our happy. Another thief is disappointment. I mean, disappointment is real. It's legit. It hurts, right? But let's deal with it. Friend, don't allow your disappointment with your life or your marriage or your spouse or your kids or not being married yet, not having found your husband, the death of a loved one, death or disappointment over your destiny or where you are in your life. Don't let disappointment steal your joy. You can work through the disappointment. So I'm not saying avoid it. Work through your disappointment. Deal with it and navigate through it unto acceptance. Partner with God. The last thief I want to touch on that can steal or rob our happy is comparison. I want to say be super aware that social media It is, I think, the greatest influencer of comparison. It always looks like somebody else's life or kids or husband or job. It is so awesome. It's so perfect. But I assure you, they have issues too. Their issues may not be the same as yours, but they have issues. Comparison says the grass is greener in their story. But friend, you weren't designed by God to live someone else's story. You're living your own story. You get to choose a happy heart. You get to partake of God in the middle of your story, whether that's a chapter that's like awesomeness and mountaintop experiences, or if it's a chapter where there's lots of drama and lots of disappointment and pain. You are the one who gets to live in your story and you get to choose a happy heart. You get to choose to grow in your joyful attitude, in your approach to God. You get to choose this heart posture that is surrendered and choosing moment by moment by moment by minute by minute by minute to partake of God, to taste and see his goodness. Friend, I encourage you, show up for your story and stop looking at everybody else's story and wishing that was your story. Stop comparing yourself to their story. Practically, you might need to take a break from social media. I have two friends. Um, One of them is a friend of mine, and then another is actually um, my daughter's boyfriend. And they took a long, long break from social media. In fact, my daughter's boyfriend, I think, is still off social media. And he told me how much joy was restored to his life when he got off social media. And the other friend is a client of mine. And she said, it's amazing. Once I got off social media, I became so much more joyful. And it was because this comparison, or the grass is always greener, it was broken comparison was a thief that was stealing from her. Comparison is a thief that can steal from all of us. And in the midst of that, it's my God-given assignment to choose God, to choose a joyful mindset, to choose a heart posture that is surrendered and choosing to find nourishment in 
God. Jesus is the key to joyful intentionality and happy life. So for me, I've learned to look disappointment squarely in the face and say, so what? And this is truly such a huge sucker punch to the enemy. As I submit my heart fully to my Heavenly Father and receive from Him. Listen, we're all going to go through seasons and times of disappointment, discouragement, and adversity. But adversity doesn't have to define us. God is growing us to be more like Jesus as we walk through this adversity. And I love to ask God, what is my heavenly assignment in this difficult season? And this helps me incredibly. I'll listen and I'll just write down what I sense the Father says. Then I have a game plan. Then I have like an understanding of what my assignment, what my calling, what my heavenly purpose is in the midst of the pain. In hearing from heaven on my divine assignment, it really does. It gives purpose to the pain. It anchors me to God's heart in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of difficult seasons. So I'm aware of and do intentionally really doing life with God. I, I remember the, a season that I had when I had a boss who was so lying, vindictive, sneaky. She was really an evil person. And as I sought my heavenly assignment, God called me to be an intercessor for her. I didn't want to. I hated her guts. But God grew me in that season as I partnered with him. Another personal example, in my marriage, there was a very hurtful season many years ago where I felt so betrayed by Shannon. And as I sought my divine assignment from God in that season, the Father asked me to partner with him, to partner with God, to love and forgive Shannon, to become a safe place for him, to to be honest, fully honest, even when he screws up really badly, to help free Shannon from areas of childhood woundedness. It was really hard to do that, to love and forgive when I felt so betrayed. But in that season, it was unto the Father. He gave me grace to live it out as I partook of him because he was my source. He was my nourishment. We don't live out the kingdom apart from the king. So our joyful intentionality, our our happy mindset, our gladness in this internal approach to life, it comes and it grows as we partake of God, as we are nourished by him, as we intentionally taste and see, as we experience and encounter Jesus, the Father, in eat of his fullness. Friend, it's all about relational connection to the heart of God, minute by minute by minute by minute, day by day by day by day, year by year by year by year. As we live consuming and tasting, experiencing and ever, ever, ever receiving from God, we will grow more joyful in our attitude, in our mindset, and in our spirit. It is that heart posture of happy, of joyful, as we receive his nourishment. It's like that heavenly IV. We receive all of our sustenance comes from him. I have supernatural empowerment in my attitude, in my heart, in my emotions, in my physical body, in the way I respond relationally as I receive that nourishment from God, like a heavenly IV from God's heart to mine. 
All I have to do is surrender and receive. Surrender and receive. I want to close with this. Psalm 16, verses 8 and 9. It says, I have set the Lord always before me. So for me, that's like that heavenly IV. I am hooked up to God because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue or my mouth, my words rejoice. My body will also rest secure. As we live from this place of connecting, partaking of God, receiving his substance, it affects our heart. It affects our words, our attitude. It affects our physical body. Today, my friend, I want to call you higher. I want to say, set your heart on Jesus. Practice receiving from him. He is your source to grow your happy, to increase your joy, and to put on your gladness. Surrender to Jesus. And as you do, he's going to teach you to develop this internal approach, this heart posture, so you can practice joyful intentionality, practice connection to God, practice surrender to him when you're pissed at your husband, taste and see experience and encounter and continually receive the fullness of God. Even when you're in a bad place, and I'll say especially when you're in a bad place, continually receive from him. This, my friend, can change your life. It's relational connection to God. You are blessed as you partake of him. You are happy. You are joyful. You choose gladness as you partake of the goodness and the divine nature of God. He fills you with his supernatural heart attitude, his emotions, his mindset, his perceptions. It's, it's so about him. Practice receiving from God. That's a wrap for today's show. Remember, friend, I'm rooting for you. And more importantly, your heavenly father is rooting for you. He's with you and he's in you. Let's intentionally partner with him today, minute by minute by minute, and receive, partake of his divine nature. Until next time. Friend, I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Imagine More podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Kimberly K. Stokes. And check out our blog and online resources at imaginemoreministries.org. You can hit subscribe to join the Imagine More community. We're in the process of developing practical new resources to help women live in the fullness of Christ. I'm glad we're on the journey together.